Activision challenges you to the video games of your life. Designed for your Atari video computer system. Demanding all your speed, strategy, and skills. So amazingly real, you'll believe Activision puts you in the game. Amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parventier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And guys, you know, it's been almost a year. Uh, April 2021, we did an episode 137 on four different Atari 2600 games. So it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time to revisit that idea. We're almost a year later. In fact, if we waited one more episode, we'd be exactly a year later. I know we did a bonus episode on a couple of the horror-based 2600 games, but if you're not a patron, you didn't hear those. So this is the second time we've done this. Figure once a year is probably a good a good uh, target for this kind of thing. So this time we're going to mm-hmm. talk about four more Atari 2600 games, uh, but this time they will be all Activision games. So I'm, I'm sure you're all familiar with Activision. There are huge company still with Activision Blizzard uh, being one of the big three publishers for a long time. But Activision wasn't started until 1979 uh, by a group of ex-Atari employees that were sad that they didn't get uh, the credit they deserved. Like back in the day for Atari, all games were made by Atari at first, and it didn't say who the programmers and designers were anywhere on the cart or in the manual or anywhere else, and they all weren't paired very much. And so a handful of developers realized after they saw like the sales figures, like, wait a minute, we're making Atari millions of dollars and we're getting paid pennies. Uh, even though we have the games that are selling the most and making the most money. So they brought that to to the management of Atari and said, hey, look, we think it's only fair. If we were musicians, for example, and our album sold this many, we should get you know a portion of the profits. And Atari laughed and said, well, no, the difference is that you guys are all replaceable and these are simple games and anyone can make them. So uh, these developers got angry, quit the company, and after getting some legal advice on what to do, they founded their own company called Activision Incorporated. Uh, it was originally... The four developers I'm going to list now, David Crane, who did Outlaw, uh, who we also mm. later on would go on to do games we've covered, like A Boy in His Blob. Uh, Larry Kaplan, who did Air Sea Battle and Bowling, which were two like launch titles for the Atari. Alan Miller, who did Basketball and Hangman. And Bob Whitehead, who did Home Run and Football. All those games are ones uh, that I'd heard of or played at least, you know, Football and Home Run and Outlaw all, were all things I had played as a kid. All games that everyone that had an Atari, it was kind of like what they pushed when the system first launched. Uh, so they... They left, started their own company in 1979, started building games in their garage to sell for Atari uh, until Atari realized, wait a minute, these guys used to work for us. Now they're making games for our system. We're not getting any of this money. We better sue them. So they tried to sue them to stop them from selling these at trade shows and other things. Ended up ultimately settling that lawsuit out of court, allowing Activision to continue to sell their games in major retailers and kind of starting the the third-party development platform that arguably ultimately crashed the uh, the video game market in 1983, <clears throat> at least in this country, for so many companies are putting out so many junk things. But 
Hmm. Activision themselves, even though they have some stinkers, every every company does, also has some of the best games that were ever released on the 2600, 2600 in my opinion. Uh, most notably Pitfall, which was by David Crane, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, we've talked about Pitfall when we did Boy in His Blob, an excellent game. And the first game we're going to talk about today is also, in my opinion, one of the best games released on the system, River Raid from 1982. We can't turn back. River Raid target at 039. Under control. Approaching an airspeed 626. Taking West Canyon. Good call. Fuel critical, sir. Chopper's at 3 o'clock. Roger, I copy. Fighter's closing. Shall I direct something? No, he'll decide that. Fuel critical, sir. He knows that. Sir, he's off for the East Canyon. Negative. That's a trap. River Raid to home sweet home. It's River Raid. Can you make it? River Raid, can you make it? It's only a game. River Raid for the Atari Video Computer System, designed by Carol Shaw for Activision. Uh, River Raid was one of the games that, you know, even when I was, I, I was, I didn't have an Atari when it was first out because we had an Intellivision. I've discussed that in the past. But when I did have an Atari, one of the first games I ran out to find was a copy of River Raid. I'm sure I got it at a yard sale. I think I got all my Atari 2600 games at yard sales years after mm-hmm. they would have been popular. Mm-hmm. But River Raid, for the time, was a pretty amazing game. It, I, it, it's not one I'm familiar with. That'll be a, a theme for a couple a couple of games we're going to talk about here. Um, I, I had a, you know, the, I, we've talked about it before. The 2600 was kind of my, my folks. I was allowed to play on it um, here and there. Uh, they had a pretty, pretty respectable library of games. River, River Raid was not amongst them. So it was kind of, kind of a new one to me. Um, just, just, you know, I was watching watching a little video of it initially. I was like, okay. I was like, it it, it looks. I mean, it's a damn Atari game, right? It looks simple enough. Um, so, but it's always hard when you're watching those to tell whether or not it's fun to actually play. So I, I was I was excited to give it a go and 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 see what I thought about it. Um, it's easy to think with a system like that uh, that you you played growing up and that you've you've you played numerous games for over the years uh that you've you've kind of kind of played it all on there i think it's I, I think i fall into that that way of thinking with the atari the 2600 a lot so uh always it was it was with excitement that i uh, I, I went into a new title for it new to me i've mentioned before i think on the last one of these that we did that i didn't actually own an atari 2600 i was very young when that first came out so the only time i ever got to play 2600 was when i went down to uh, on spring break to Kentucky and, and played it with my cousin down there. And I, you know, it was really cool. I, I, you know, for then, because I was young, I was a young toddler and didn't know any better. And, and just playing a video game in a, a household environment was mm-hmm. amazing to me. So, you know, I played all the, the hits like uh, Atari Pac-Man and ET and haunted <laughs> house. And that was pretty much the extent of my, uh, Atari 2600 experience, let's say. Later on down the line, after I had already had got my NES and, and started playing those, my parents took me on a trip up to northern Indiana to stay with some of their friends. And I was told that, you know, they're, they've got some video games up there that I can play because I was all in on video games. I was that damn kid. I was a nerd. That nerd that played video games, according to my mm-hmm. dad. So I was... Uh, Went up there with them, <clears throat> did the three-hour trip, and ran in there excitedly expecting a NES with a bunch of games that I hadn't played, and Ooh. sitting underneath the TV was a goddamn Atari 2600, and <laughs> a, a full-on nasty stained cardboard box filled with Atari 2600 games. Yeah. Because that's 
that's where it's, I think that's legally, that's where you have to store your Atari 2600 games. If you own Atari 2600 that is, they, games. They, they disintegrate otherwise if you try to store them anywhere else. Apparently, and it's always got to be the worst looking box you could ever find to put them <laughs> in. It, you know, it's just, it's barely hanging on to life. And, you yeah. know, the, what's in there is just all tossed in there. There's no regard to trying to sort them or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I was like, God damn it. I just, you know, I, I had moved on from Atari and sitting there again playing those those bangers that everyone had, fucking Pac-Man and Haunted House. I was like, well, fuck. But in the very bottom <laughs> of that grody-ass cardboard box, I found yeah. one that I hadn't played, and it was River Raid. And I was like, hey, what damn. the hell's a River Raid? So I put that in, and this was the first Atari 2600 game that I had ever played that I could maybe say could actually be on the NES as well, you know, not in terms of graphics, but just with what's going on. And I think a lot of these Activision games, as we talk about them, there's a lot going, there's more than your average Atari game happening in these games. And I'm not talking about the ones that were obviously made by people that designed board games and, and put all these weird esoteric rules in them. But something that like actually feels like a video game. There's stuff mm-hmm. you need to do. There's there's goals, and you can see that happening before your eyes. And and that's is fairly it's fairly rare for Atari twenty six hundred games that were just mostly focusing on uh, very very basic arcade conversions or or you know something that you could put on game and watch. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, River Raid was actually really fun, and I sat there and played it for an hour, which was probably the longest anyone has ever played an Atari 2600 game and then came away with fond memories of sitting in that tiny-ass apartment playing River Raid on their black-and-white TV. And yeah, I, I will back up that um, watching, just watching this one before even playing it, it it, it looks like, it, it looks busier. It looks like there are, there's a little bit to do, which was encouraging, I to me personally, very encouraging, um, because fucking... I just, one thing I just don't have um, over the years, I, I've lost all patience for, for games that just kind of don't get to the point or really aren't that engaging or anything like that, which, which you know, means things like Atari games have have suffered a little bit with me over time. Um, you know, we, we all know how I feel about Pac-Man for, for those reasons. Um, but yeah, this one, upon playing it, 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 it was... What it seemed uh, there, there are, we'll talk about, uh, I, I'm sure Jeremy P will get down to just what the hell you're doing in this one, but there are multiple things going on and a lot of, uh, a lot of things you got to kind of look out for. And I was, I was very intrigued. I, and, and I, I will echo that sentiment that, um, that this could be something that, you know, it, obviously it would have a little nicer coat of paint on it, but you, you, you could have found easily, uh, on the NES. Well, River Raid is essentially a top-down, like, uh, vertical shmup, which there weren't too many of mm-hmm. those on the 7800. There were a few, and there was definitely things like Defender that would scroll left and right. And, you know, but a lot of the games on the Atari were single screen. Um, you know, yeah. you, you fly around on that screen, or you're, you know, like Space Invaders, you're at the bottom of one fixed screen, going back left to right, shooting up at the top. Uh, it's a, a vertical shmup where you do not have the ability to move your ship up and down. Um, mm-hmm. it's a joystick and a button. All these games are on the Atari, they're joystick and button. So the joystick go left and right moves your ship, moves your plane left and right. And then up and down would speed up or slow down how fast your, your, your plane is moving. The button shoots straight forward. You can hold down the button to just continuously fire. Um, mm-hmm. and, 
and the whole point of the game is to fly through uh, essentially the the river um, while shooting tanker boats, helicopters, jets that fly across the screen, uh, collecting fuel or shooting fuel, and then eventually at the end of each section, you blow up a bridge and go to another set of level. Mm -hmm. It is consistently scrolling. There is no end of level and start of level. Uh, you, you just, as you go through, you blow up a bridge, and then it's kind of like those are your checkpoints. So know you hit a bridge if you die, because uh, mm -hmm. one hit kills your ship immediately, or driving into the side of the wall of the canyon of the river that you're in. Uh, so you've got to make sure you, you know, stay on, stay away from the the walls, and also destroy the ships and stuff, which for the first level or two is not so bad, because the ships don't move for those first two levels. You're just literally flying around, mm -hmm. shooting ships that are totally still, helicopters are totally still, uh, you know, blowing up the bridge and going to the next section. The only thing you have to worry about at the very start of the game is, one, not hitting the walls or driving into one of these uh, boats or helicopters, uh, but also mm -hmm. you have a fuel gauge at the bottom of the screen. Uh, as you're flying around, no matter how fast or slow you're going, that fuel gauge will go down slowly, and the only way to refill it is to fly over these, you know, striped containers that clearly say fuel on them, uh, which will slowly refill your tank up. Uh, you know, normally two of them, if you can hit two in a row, basically you'll fill up your ta your, your plane no matter how far, you know, how low down you are in in, uh, in fuel. But ultimately, this game, like all the games we're going to talk about today, and a lot of the old Atari games, was about score. So really the whole point of this game is to see how high of a score you can get. And we're going to talk about this with all the games. Um, you know, as a kid, I didn't really care about score, right? I mean, I kind of did. Mm -hmm. Like if you were playing against, you know, a friend with... Pitfall or River Raid or something, you could compare score and be like, oh man, I got 24,000 points, and then, oh, I got 26,000 points. But on River Raid, because you had these bridge checkpoints, it was more about how many bridge checkpoints can I get through. However, that's not really what any of these games are about. I mean, yes, you, you want to get as far as you can, see as many levels as you can, but eventually the number of levels or bridges or whatever that you've gone through in all these games doesn't matter. Score is really what ultimately at the end is going to matter for how good you are at one of these games. And all mm. the Activision games, which is something I'm very, very sad still. Like, if I could... This is a stupid wish to go back in time, right? There'd be many things that are better in life to do to go back in time than what I'm about to say. But I'm also very serious that this is why I would go back in time. Uh, if you go back in time to this era where you bought these games new... Uh, Activision tried to really make their games stand out and be unique so that they'd, you know, stand out in the 2600 market that was even at the time that they were, uh, you know, winning that lawsuit and, and were able to say, oh, now we can sell our games everywhere. All these other companies had jumped on and are selling Atari games. So you want to make your games stand out and look like they are a, a collection of games. So all the Activision games have very bright boxes. They all look like the same sort of font and set, font set up, kind of like the way the black box Nintendo games were. You know, you want to keep everything looking uniform. Um, but they also came with really cool color manuals. They came with, you know, little pages in the manual that would either explain, like, the background of the game or the history of the game. Like, in some of the things we're going to talk about, it gives you facts about that area of the country or whatever. But it would mm -hmm. also give you a page on the developer explaining who they were so they got their name out there. Say, oh, you know, this is the person who designed this game. Here are some of their tips for how to play it and whatever. But what I care about the most was the very back of each book had a little paragraph where it would say like, hey, if you think you're good at this game, you can score X points, take a picture of your screen once you've scored those points, mail it back to Activision, write on the envelope what game it's for and whatever, and we will mail you a patch. And they're really cool looking, like colorful patches you could sew on, I don't know, your jean jacket, and uh, tell all your friends how cool you are because you've scored all the points for those games. Uh, I'm going to have pictures of them on, on uh, social media and stuff, and I'm sure I've talked about them before, but I absolutely love a physical widget you get for something like this, like a little collectible thing. Um, so for River Raid, the whole point of to get to, to you know earn this patch is if you could score 15,000 points 
and take a picture of your screen, mail it back to Activision, they would send you the River Raiders badge, which looks really cool. And again, that would just be a little certificate that came with it saying, hey, you're a River Raider. Thanks from Activision and a little patch, right? So you think, okay, well, 15,000 points can't be too much. But it, it takes a long time to get those points because as you're flying through the level, you only get 30 points for the boats, 60 points for the helicopters, 100 points for jets. Bridges give you 500 points. Uh, and then if you do hit the fuel depots, if you, don't, if you don't fly over them to get your fuel, but you actually blow them up, they give you 80 points. So they actually give you a fair amount of points. So there's this kind of risk reward to do I want to get as many points as I can or do I want to keep those out there so I can guarantee never run out of fuel while you're flying through these levels. Um, I... I don't know if anyone else kept track of the scores. I did just to see if I was able to earn these badges or not. And for River Raid, the 15,000 points I thought was extremely easy to hit. If you can get through about six bridge sections, like blow up six bridges and, and kind of blow everything up on the way, mm. you'll be well on your way. I got to 19,000 points before I stopped you know, paying attention to how much I, I scored. Not too mm. hard at all to get 15,000 points in this. Uh, uh, <laughs> man, if we're not going to let you have access to a time machine. If that's if that's what you're doing, you're going back to get patches. Oh, what, but they're really cool can patches. You imagine that a man given the technology to go back and right any wrong throughout history, and he just he establishes a collection of Activision Atari patches. <laughs> and um, I'm not even joking. I actually, I, I I I got on eBay just as you were talking um, to maybe get you one. And yeah, I man, we're gonna have to get some more patrons before I get before I get you that River Raider patch. Uh, it's the only one going in the in the, the the high double digits for whatever reason. But yeah, I, I was just looking at those as you were talking. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's 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 the equivalent of like a I guess a, a, a achievement today, but but in physical form, which I, I think that is a neat touch. I had heard of those patches. I I didn't associate them with just uh, with just Activision games, um, but I, I had known they were a thing. Uh, but that is that that's pretty damn cool um god i can't imagine anyone doing anything kind of kind of similar nowadays um I, maybe you know, some some small indie well you, indie you have achievements nowadays right like hmm? i said well nowadays you have achievements so even though it's not yeah, mailing I, you a badge but, but something physical yeah something yeah physical. I, I wouldn't expect too many physical things but your... i you know i i still figure that the achievement is the same thing because you're showing people online you have your little little thing that comes up like oh you killed you know this boss or whatever and that's like oh cool everyone now can see it no one cares about that but the person who earns I mean, it but it's there it's no it's no patch i no. can't put it on my denim jacket next to my semen grandpa <laughs> I, you know it's so but but uh yeah I, I, I really cool concept uh once again no uh no time machine access for you though let me know when you get that high score in semen grandpa everyone out there oh, i'll personally man. send you a, a semen grandpa patch we'll we'll get that i, I i'm 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 trying to get i'm god I, I i can't imagine that guy i mean it would be beat him and eat him wouldn't it wouldn't it just be that <laughs> oh okay. would it not <laughs> i wasn't even talking about a video game but sure oh oh man Whew. i don't know i i i i don't think i'm gonna I'm not going to partake in that one. I, I don't, uh, I can pay my own rent just fine. I, I don't need, <laughs> I don't need that rent discount that he gives out. Uh, the only other thing about the, the game that I didn't really mention was the, you start with three lives, you get new lives every 10,000 points. Again, since the mm -hmm. only goal to get the badge, if that's your end goal is 15,000 points, you only need to learn one, earn one extra life really before you hit there but it's not too hard to earn ten thousand points um especially because you know as the game goes on while the, the multiplier doesn't go up too high um the, the game doesn't get incredibly difficult uh you, you've got a, the ships start moving 
Uh, and then the, the jets get a little faster that fly across the screen. You got to time everything well. And sometimes they put the jets and planes at inopportune places. So you have to kind of fly around a corner real quick, like narrow ho- corridors to try to shoot that helicopter before it starts moving. I mean, it's not easy, but it you should be able to get to that score without many issues. Actually, I found this was one of those, um, like it definitely gets, it gets a little harder as you go, but in the early going, I, it, it felt like one of those, you get those Atari games every now and then that are just easy enough that you just, you, they don't really end. So you just kind of, kind of just quit after a little bit, um, you know, not dying or anything. You just kind of, kind of call it quits. And I, I thought we were getting in that territory. Um, Cause it, like you said, the, it's got a very gentle, very gentle beginning to it. And as I was playing through, I was like, yeah. Like, I'm either exceptionally good at this, or it's very easy. But yeah, it, it gets a little trickier as you go, uh, for sure. Uh, but it's it, 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 it hits just right. Um, it, it's definitely one of those, and there aren't a lot of Atari games that I have a hankering to go back and play now. I, I have a few few old favorites that every now and then um, I, I'll, I'll jump on and play. But I, I think that the, this definitely would be one I would, I would pick up again. I was... I, I think it's actually a really good game. And this was one of the very few games that came out on, uh, what was that 360 thing? Game Laundry or something that mm, Microsoft mm-hmm. did. And a uh, game room. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, it came out on that. And that was cool. I, that was one of the very few that I bought for it. And eventually River Raid 2 came out on the set. And I'd never played River Raid 2. And it's fine. I, I think it's, you know, it seems like a decent sequel but it's it doesn't seem to capture that that i don't know just that simplicity of the original that just kind of made it like something that you could just sit there and play for a while which is something you usually don't do on a 2600 um it's just it's fine for what it is you can kind of go up and down change your elevation and and the refueling has changed a little bit with how you have to do it but it's it's fine but yeah river the original river raid is one of the very few 2600 games that I think I could probably sit down and, and still play and, and have a good time with and, and not just want to stop within five minutes. Well, and, and you're right. Uh, so River Raid, like we mentioned, came out in 1982. I, I meant to bring this up before because you know what? The whole reason they founded this company was they wanted kind of credit for their work. So the designer for this game was Carol Shaw, who originally had done Othello on the, uh, the Atari as well. And uh, the sequel, which came out in 1987, so well after the launch of the NES, well after the crash uh, that, that kind of killed off the Atari more or less, uh, especially in the, in the in this country, um, came out yeah five years later. It was not developed with anything to do with with Carol Shaw, and I think it was still Activision. But yeah, it was by the time it came out, they just kind of made the same game, made it look a little bit nicer, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't capture the original. And and again, five years difference back in 1982 is a huge difference in, in technology. So they were mm. putting out a game that didn't really need to exist on a console that was basically uh, already well on its way, you know, to, to being dead. Uh, the, the next whole era had already started and <laughs> you were already seeing ads, I'm sure, for the next era of video game systems. So mm. um, yeah, River Raid 2, not, not as good as River Raid, but River Raid was one of those games, just like Pitfall, that I think when I think about, oh, these, if I had to pick five, you know, 2,600 games, it'd be hard not to put those two games on there. I'm surprised you'd never mm-hmm. played that one, Billy. I thought River Raid was one that, like, everybody I'd played, because everybody I knew that had oh, 2,600 yeah. had River Raid. Yeah. I mean, but mm-hmm. but still, that was a really good one. And that was one that I, I asked yeah. everybody to pick a game. Jeremy had picked River Raid, and now he explained why, because it was one he remembered playing. Uh, the next game we're going to talk about was Billy's pick, because he picked Frostbite yes. from 1983. 
I found something, sir. Oh, good grief, man. That's the great Frostbite Bailey. Against all odds, he builds his igloo by leaping treacherous moving ice. What? He faces one fearsome predator after another. What? In a grueling race to keep from freezing. He didn't make it, did he? Help me stand him up. I think he wants a beer, sir. I think he said bear. Frostbite for the Atari 2600. Designed by Steve Cartwright for Activision. Yeah, and this was one uh, that uh, it, it was just it was one my folks had, and I, I distinctly recall uh, my my folks playing along on it, and I was I was young enough to watch it. Uh, I, I I was born in '81, so I you know I very small, uh, maybe kindergarten or so, and and I remember watching four or five years old. I remember watching a handful of games, and I I remembered things about this one. I remembered some things about this one. I remembered a lot of bouncing around. I remember there was a, a a polar bear or at least God, something that looked like one on the screen. I remember you were building an igloo um, and that was about it. And it wasn't until a couple years later, I, I was still, you know, young and I was going through the Atari games and I saw this one popped it in and, and it was it. It was, it was that game. And it unlocked a lot of, a lot of previous memories of just, of just watching my fucking father just, bounce around on this damn thing for hours on end um and, and played it and i could see immediately why um it it, it has a lot going for it um i it, it, upon watching the video once again i watched the video for it before i jumped on and it it, it it's got several elements in it uh, it it's the best i can say it's a little bit cubert it's a little bit frogger uh it, it's it's a weird combination of some concepts you might see in other games already on the 2600 but I, but i thought that it just it, it all came together very nicely. Yeah, this is one I hadn't played, so I was very excited to, to give it a shot. I don't. I mean, I I mm-hmm. tried it. I have a collection of Activision games that was out on PS2 or something, so I've tried all these mm-hmm. games. But it wasn't one I had as a kid, so I was like, oh yeah, I'll check this out later, and never really put the time into it. Uh, I'm glad you picked it though, because I think it is a lot mm-hmm. more interesting than the original screen would make you think it is. Um, it is yes. a single screen game, unlike River Ray that was you know scrolled. This is a single screen game, like a lot of Atari games were. You are uh, Frostbite. Bailey, who's trying to build an igloo on the top right of the screen, and he does that by there's four levels of ice flows that scroll left to right or right to left, kind of like, you know, alternating. So one would go left to right, the next one would go right to left, etc. And it's always a series of three or four or sometimes a bunch of little ice flows, but you have to make sure you jump uh, up and down, and you can kind of move diagonal if you want to. If you aim the joystick diagonal, you can jump in that direction as well. Uh, onto those ice flows, uh, not into the water. Uh, as you jump onto the ice flows, they'll change color. Once you've turned all four ice flows like a light blue color, they all turn white again, and then you turn them all four blue again. And they every time you hit an ice flow and change it from white to blue, uh, a block is built on the igloo. You can watch the igloo get built mm-hmm. in real time, I guess, at the top as you jump on these platforms. Um, uh, meanwhile, you have to dodge things like crabs and oysters and all these little things that will show up on the ice flows kind of moving across. They're very easy to see. It's not like they show up surprisingly. You, you can easily see them there, but you cannot yeah. touch them. They'll push you off the ice flow into the water. If you just jump off the ice flow into the water and miss the, the ice flow because you're not paying attention, that will also kill your character. Uh, and, and so the idea is to keep hitting these, these ice blocks quickly to build your igloo. It's about 10 or 12 jumps depending on what level you're at, and it gets harder as you go on. But 
The other thing you have to worry about in Frostbite is at the top of the screen, you can see a counter that's going down from 45 to zero. That's supposed to be the temperature. Uh, that If it goes from 45 degrees is what it starts at every level, and every second it ticks down. Uh, once it gets mm -hmm. to zero, your Frostbite, your character freezes and immediately dies as well. You'll, you'll get to keep most of the progress you've made. I think you lose one block of your igloo, uh, but you'll start back up at the top of the screen, and you can start clearing ice flows again to keep building your, your igloo. You get you start the game with four lives. As you earn 5,000 points, you'll get extra lives to help you. Uh, but then as the levels go on, the ice flows get more involved. They start moving in and out, so you have to make sure you're, yeah. you're timing your jumps well. Uh, the, the number of creatures that are on there increase. Instead of just being one or two birds, it'll be like a, a, a group of three or four birds, or every row will have some monsters on them, so you have to make sure you jump back and forth. Uh, I didn't realize, because I didn't look at the manual for the first few rounds, there are green fish that fly back and forth on there that I was avoiding. Mm -hmm. You can eat those. You want to eat those for points. It's actually the best way to get points throughout the level is to eat these green fish. The other monsters, thankfully, are not green, nor do they look like fish, so it's very easy to tell that you can jump and eat the fish as opposed to everything else. Um, but after a few levels, so after you, you fill your igloo up, then you'll see the igloo's built. There's a little hole on it, and you have to get your character back up to the top of the screen by jumping on ice flows. The very top of the screen is just like a, a the shore, so you can run left or right on it, go to the, the igloo, jump in, and you'll end the level. It counts down, getting you a whole bunch of points for how many blocks are in your igloo, plus how much uh, temperature is left before you hit zero, and then it starts another, you know, increased difficulty level, and you do this over and over again, building an igloo, jumping in it, tearing down your igloo to get points, and then starting the next level. As you continue on, uh, like I said, it makes it hard with the ice flows, but also they add in, as Billy mentioned, a polar bear. The polar bear is mm -hmm. at the top of the screen. He'll run back and forth, you know, waiting by your igloo. And so after you've gotten all your, your igloo parts built and you have to run back up, you then have to also avoid this polar bear, which I found to be incredibly frustrating because I kept yes. it. He, he kind of goes towards you. So if you're going to jump back, you have to kind of like lead him to the left and then quickly time your ice flow jump so you can jump all the way to the right of the screen and then back up into your igloo. It, it's very difficult. I thought that if, if I died a bunch, it was on that bear. And it's a frustrating thing because you've already got your igloo built at that point. So you're like, I just got to get back in there, but you have to dodge, you know, the, all the stuff on the ice flows while you jump on ice flows to get by this bear that's running at you the whole time. I don't know. It. I like it. it I like that it made it more difficult. But as soon as that bear got there, I was like, oh, man, this is where my time's going to run out. I got through the first three or four levels, no problem. But now, now I'm in trouble. Uh, Jeremy, did you play Frostbite before? No, I, I've never actually played Frostbite. I don't even remember seeing that back in the day in anybody's cardboard box. Uh, it, it, <laughs> what I played seemed, you know, it's it's fine for what it is. And I guess the only thing that I can really, that that really impressed me, I guess, and, you know, for I, this is something to be impressed about on the 2600, is just seeing the uh, the little igloo being made in the background as you make progress. I feel like if there, if there was just a score up in the top or something like that, which most Atari 2600 games would have, I wouldn't want to get as as far as I was trying to get because I could visually see the igloo being made in the background every time I, I would do what I needed to do. And I, that's, again, I think that's something Activision did really well, or at least understood. They did that in several of their games on the 2600 was just actually having some sort of visual of progressing instead of just having that number up the top of the screen. Mm -hmm. And I can appreciate that for, for what this is. It's a, this is a very simple game. And Again, it's very, very, very hard for me to keep my attention on just about anything. I have horrible ADD, and anything that doesn't actively change the screen <laughs> over the course yeah. of maybe, yeah. you know, yeah. two or three minutes, my brain just kind of deactivates. And oh, yeah. I, that's, that's why it was, it was, it's been very hard for me over the years to 
to appreciate a lot of 2600 games because mm-hmm. they are just static screens. Um, and this one is pretty, it's just a static screen with the scrolling ice sheets along the, the lake or river or whatever. And it's fine. It's, it's a fun little game. Uh, it, again, like we said, it just kind of reminded me of Qbert a little bit with, with some Frogger thrown in. And Frogger gave me horrible anxiety as a kid for some reason. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I didn't get that here so much because maybe there weren't alligators and stuff, but it was, uh, it, it's fine. I, I enjoyed what I played. I, it's nothing that I would play for hours on end, but for an Atari game, I, I think it does a, a pretty good job mm-hmm. of, of being that kind of game. Well, mm-hmm. uh, unlike River Raid, the scoring in this matters based on how many times you've built your igloo. So at the start of the game, when you're playing, you only earn 10 points for adding a block on your igloo. You only earn 200 points to eat a fish. That never changes. You always get 200 points to eat a fish. Uh, and then after you've entered your igloo, you get 160 points for finishing the level. And you're like, well, that's that's going to take me years to earn a score because the score total for the badge, the Arctic Architect's badge, is 40,000 points. And you're getting 10 per block and 160 per level. So I was like, how... How many thousands of levels do I have to beat to get this badge? But <laughs> every level, the uh, points are increased you know, like they, with a multiplier. So it's 10 points times the level you're on for adding a block to the igloo, and 160 points mm-hmm. times the level you're on for adding a uh, for entering the igloo at the end of the level. And then the temperature that you have left, you get 10 times the degrees left times the level. So that's really your multiplier. If you can do it quickly on each level, by the time you're at the higher levels, you're earning you know almost almost three, 4,000 points just in the timer for the, the last few levels you can do. If you can get up to like level eight, nine, 10, um, I did not get 40,000 points. I tried. I actually spent a good couple hours today trying to get 40,000 points on this game uh, so that I could take a picture and send it for my Arch- Architect's badge. I only got mm-hmm. 31,000 points and that was through about mm. seven clears. I don't think I got high enough higher than that. Once, like I said, once that bear showed up, I, I don't know why my brain couldn't wrap around how to avoid the bear. I just kept like, out the ice flows and get my igloo made and then I would just like I might as well just jumped into the bear's mouth every time I don't know what I was doing yeah. wrong uh, as far as I mean I, I could see what to do I'm I'm not like I didn't understand how the bear works I understood how the bear worked I just couldn't I couldn't figure out how to avoid him without also either falling into the water or jumping into an, an oyster or some other thing on there uh, the bear really does even though it seems like it's like no big deal when they add that in it, it adds another mm-hmm. layer to the difficulty because uh, you also have to worry about the time for the temperature so you can't just like super slowly move around you have to keep moving very quickly uh, to get through this yeah. one but yeah I, I like this because I hadn't played it it is very simple but I think a lot of the Activision games the ones that I like the most are the ones that are very simple at its core but then as you're playing it the difficulty increases at a good pace so mm-hmm. i feel like if I, you know after three or four levels you're like okay i can see how this gets very difficult i did want to ask like are you two obviously i'm not but are you two like uh any, any sort of high score chasers for modern games like did you guys get into the the geometry wars yeah kind of stuff or oh, just, just to I, kind of um, play this stuff oh, to, to get high scores yeah. can i can i admit something about geometry wars um geometry wars 2 mainly um, I was single for a little stretch during that time, and the the uh, girl I was interested in had a a boyfriend that was all about Geometry Wars, and I picked up that game and friended him on Xbox and played through it um, just extensively, just learning the you know different the different fucking modes and whatnot, just to beat all of his scores, just I, I, just in my own head to to make myself feel like I had some measure. Of revenge, I knew he was such a nerd that it would actually hurt him to to drop those scores. So yeah, yes, I, I got into it for a little bit there, and in, in the name of love. Um, but but ordinarily, I just I don't I could care less about scores. Um, 
But yeah, games like that though, and I don't—I feel like there aren't a lot of games that really encourage you to go out there and get a, a, a high score on them. Um, so I, I usually need some other external reason, uh, usually some shitty reason to to do so. Yeah, the current games don't have too many that have a score that matters like that. But yes, Geometry Wars was a perfect example of a game that you had that global like friends challenge list and you also had like same with the pinball 3d effects was like oh all my friends would have that on xbox they all show their scores too so i was like now nah, i've got a goal so, i want to get i want to get some to the top of, your, of that board. some of your enemies too yeah exactly so that yes i do i do like a good score chase but it has to be something that people can see otherwise i don't care uh, the only exception to that would be uh, on any version of burger time i will continue to save the high score table uh with a save state so that i can see if i can continue to beat my own score because it's the best game uh of my in my opinion a classic arcade game and i play it nonstop. Um, See, I could not get 40,000 points on this. I I do like a a good score challenge. And this, again, for me, it was about could I earn the badge or not? Like, if I look at it that way, then then I would try to, like, figure out how to min-max my points and get through these levels and and try to see how fast I could get those scores. Uh, And as we'll find out, I only succeeded a a few times. Uh, The next game uh, we're going to talk about was one I kind of picked uh, on the the end because I wanted to do four games. It is also... Oh, shoot. I didn't say... uh, Frostbite was... Let me go back a step. Uh, as I mentioned before, I want to mention who developed these games. So Frostbike was designed by Steve Cartwright, who coincidentally is also the designer of the next game we're going to talk about. Also from 1983, Sequest, a game I had never played before, but I tried it on the anthology when I first got it, and I kind of liked it a lot. Neptune challenges you to Sequest by Activision. With the Atari 2600, behold, Sequest. Your submarine must help stranded divers escape hungry sharks. Foolish mortals. Check your air supply and beware. Evil pirates abound. I think I hear your tiny divers calling out to you. Kill. Kill. Sequest. Steve Cartwright does it again for Activision. So did either of you ever play Sequest before? Uh, Sequest, this would be a first time for me. I, I certainly had never, um, never encountered this one leading up. Only Sequest I know was Sequest DSV. And yeah! I'm pretty sure that this game is not based on that whatsoever. No. Because I'm pretty sure Sequest DSV was a decade or more into the future. <laughs> Yes, this is not based on Sequest DSV, although maybe we could find out that the show was, in fact, based on the game Sequest. But I would be very, very surprised Mm -hmm. if that is the case, since it probably has nothing to do with the actual purpose of this game, which is you are in a submarine. But at the very beginning, you're above the water. So when the level starts, you'll dive down under the water and you'll notice immediately, oh, I have an oxygen level. The longer you're underwater until you go up all the way to the top again, your submarine will slowly lose air. It's a lot of time for the first few levels. You really have nothing to worry about. Uh, But the whole reason you're underwater, and it's another fixed screen game, is from the sides of the screen, uh, either fish or other submarines uh, will, will come through. And sometimes there's a little diver that comes through instead. And the idea is to use your submarine to dive down, grab these divers before they're hit by another submarine or a fish who will cause them to quickly swim off to the other side. Uh, and then get to get six divers rescued, get back to the very top of the screen. When you get six divers, you get to the top of the screen again above the water. You will save all six of those divers, get their gold they were collecting down there because they're treasure divers for some reason. And then, you know, the score will count down uh, a bunch of bonuses for how many divers you saved and how much oxygen you had. And then it fills up your oxygen again. You can start a harder version of the same level where you just dive underwater, save some divers. Um, the, the button will fire so you can shoot at fish or at submarines submarines will fire back so you have to be careful unlike 
Um, frostbite, where nothing fired at you. In this case, you do have to worry that submarines will fire at you. Hitting any fish, hitting any submarine, running out of air, or getting you know shot by another submarine will cause you to lose one of your four lives. Uh, mm -hmm. 10,000 points will earn you a new life, and the easiest way to earn points is, again, if you, if you shoot subs and sharks, you get 20 points per, uh, and if you save a diver, you get 50 points for each diver at the end of each level. Um, but again, that's another one where the score will multiply as you go up. So at level one, they're worth 50 points. Level two, they're worth 100 points. Level three, they're worth 150 points, etc. Up to a max of 1,000 points for each, uh, for each diver you rescue. Uh, this is one, I think just like how Frostbite starts slow, but then the difficulty builds pretty quickly. I think this is another good one where like, you get through four or five levels and feel like this is pretty simple, but then the difficulty kind of hits real fast. And once you start losing lives, you're going to lose them like back to back to back. Yeah, it's 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 once again, it's one of those. It's a simple concept. It's another one of those games, like I was talking about earlier. When you play through, you're like, "Oh God, this this is not going to end. Uh, this this very well may not end." Because um, you're you're able to play through pretty efficiently. It's not very challenging early on, but yeah, I, it, it that's definitely the case. Like once you mess up, uh, you you get a little flustered, and then it's kind of oh, kind of all downhill from there. Um, in my experiences with this game. And I, I don't know. It's 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 a nice little game. Um, I, it's 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 definitely definitely active. Uh, for you know, it's it's it, it is a static screen, but it, I feel like there is constantly, constantly, uh, something coming at you, something or another. Um, uh, so it's 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 interesting that there's several things to do. Um, as far as you know, having to mine the oxygen bar, having to rescue, uh, you know, divers or divers on there and then also having to shoot enemies so it's 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 definitely a busier um atari game i, I feel like most atari games kind of kind of focused on doing one thing so it's 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 pretty cool once again we have we got another game in this this kind of a this anthology we're doing where uh you're having to have to do a little bit of multitasking uh which makes it which makes it to me kind of kind of feel more like a and and they're all video games obviously so I, I don't mean it bad but when i say it makes it feel more like a game i guess it makes it kind of kind of feel more like what i grew up with like more of an nes game where there, there might be a, a few different things going on i was getting a lot of flashbacks of playing the underwater sections for jaws on the nes oh yes. mm -hmm. yeah and it does it does feel like that a little bit except you never actually get to you go on from that it's literally just doing that to get the mm -hmm. top score and it's, I will say that it is probably more fun than those Jaws NES sections. And it, it like Billy said, it, it does have more going on than just shooting and, you know, getting, killing enemies and things like that. You've got to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But again, this is, a, this is another one of those single screen games. And it yeah. is, it is very hard for me to keep my attention on these things. I apologize. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it seems totally fine for what it is. And I, I appreciate the, the having more things to do than just, you know, just sitting there shooting things and going. It's nice that you have to go back up to the top. That was something in, you know, mm -hmm. um, the, the ice one, whatever. What was that called? Frostbite. Frostbite. Uh, you know, that just having that extra uh, objective of needing to go back up to the top, it breaks things up in, in a weird way. And I'm sure they did that on purpose. You know, it, it's it's an odd way of, of going about doing things, but it's a simple game. They have to do, they have to have simple objectives to, to keep you yeah. uh, playing more. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's a fine little game. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, it, it's again, it. I can see how if you you need other things going on in the game, like you like the igloo and frostbite. This might be probably the most boring of the games that we've covered on this because it doesn't look like anything really changes aside from the. In the water, there are, you know, the fish will get faster and there'll be more of them, or the submarines come from two sides at once, you gotta dodge bullets and stuff, but it doesn't, like, drastically change anything. It's always the same screen, it's always the same goal. Eventually there is another submarine that's at the top, or another, like, boat that goes across the very top where you normally come up for air. Uh, You have to be careful, because if you come up for air right next to it, it continues to move while you're not able to move while you're refilling with oxygen, so you can die Mm -hmm. while you're refilling air. Um, I mean, there's lots of little things that make it difficult. Um... This is one where to get the Activision Subclub patch, you need 50,000 points. I did beat that. I got 64,000 points on that one. Uh, after probably mm, seven or eight levels, that one wasn't too, too bad. Um, I, I think I think that one was a totally doable badge. I, I was very disappointed in myself that I couldn't do it on Frostbite, but, uh, but this one I was able to pick it up. But the last game we're going to talk about today was the one I picked. And I like this game, and I had never played it for more than a minute until this podcast but i kept looking at it thinking there's got to be more to this game because it's there's a lot going on on the screen it looks like there's a lot to do and i've just never figured it out we're gonna be talking about pressure cooker uh this was designed by Gary Kitchen. Actually, his name, a guy who made a game about cooking. Uh, he did Home Alone for the Super Nintendo later on, and Bart vs. the Space Mutants for the Nintendo. Um, but, oh my god. But Pressure Cooker is... This is starting to make sense to me now. Well, the, upon, well hearing, upon hearing this resume. <laughs> in this game, you are short order Sam of the grill restaurant making burgers for people who order them with the correct toppings. So you only make burgers. It's like the set, the screen is set up. So on the left side of the screen, there's a conveyor belt that has uh, the bottom bun and a hamburger that starts on that. And then from the right side of the screen, there are bins that have onions, tomatoes, lettuce, cheese, and the bottom half of the bun. And you have, they will come out one at a time and shoot across the screen from the right side to the left side while your chef is in the middle. You have to grab those pieces of food and put them on the right burger. So if someone wants a burger with onions and tomatoes, you can only put one onion and one tomato on that burger. If you put on multiple mm-hmm. onions and tomatoes, you lose points. If you put on a different item, like if you actually like, oh, I put, I put lettuce on there. He didn't ask for lettuce. You're going to lose points on that. If you, uh, take the burger that's completed and put it in the wrong place or make a burger that has not been ordered, you lose a bunch of points. So you have to make sure you're taking the the orders that come through and only making those orders. And then after you've made one of the items that's requested, at the bottom of the screen, there's like a list of three different burger checklists for what burgers are made. You make one of them, that will flash. And then you move down to a second screen. So it's a single screen at first, then you move down to the bottom to a separate screen that just has three bins in it. And it's green, red or blue whatever color is flashing at the bottom that the order was on which will always be blue or red or whatever you have to put it in the right colored bin if you put the burger in the wrong bin it doesn't count you lose points if you drop your burger like you try to put it on a shoot but you put it just slightly to the left or right so it hits the wall instead you also lose points this game is overcooked but single player and on the 2600 and it's incredible i it uh uh, yes, uh, it, it gave me very serious overcooked vibes. Uh, obviously, because of the setting, because you know you're you're putting things together one one piece at a time. It's 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 certainly frantic. Uh, but and overcooked, I knew what I was doing. I I, I really didn't get a firm <laughs> grasp 
for what I was doing at any point in time. Um, when I was playing this, like I, things were getting kicked off, kicked out. And I didn't know why. Um, my my time playing this was was one of confusion. I will say that when I did get something right, it felt pretty damn good. Um, it it's it's different. It's different. I had no idea such a game existed. Um, but yeah, it's 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 something. <laughs> it's it's definitely something. I uh, had a little bit of trouble figuring out um, kind of what was what exactly. Uh, obviously, with the Atari, you can't, uh, you know, you can't make things. You, you have limitations as as to how things look, um, you know. So, yeah, there, there's a little trouble that, you know, I could never have played this at my grandfather's house because he, he had a black and white TV. Uh, you would have been shit ass out at that point in time. That's a only good point. The rich kid, only the rich kids got to play this one. Um, so hats off to them putting their, their fancy burgers together in their fucking ivory castles. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, having, having been told, having you explain it a little bit, um, I, I, I can see kind of where I slipped up some, uh, it's one of those that when I got it going and when I was doing pretty good, I was having a good time with it. Um, it just, it, I, I don't know if it's the game is that frantic or it's just me. Uh, but I, I found myself mired in confusion and, and getting mixed up quite a bit. Could just be me. I, I will not rule that out at all. No, this this one is the only one out of all the ones that we play that feels like one or more one of those Atari twenty six hundred games that was just a little bit too. Uh, you know, you could. They had good ideas, but like you said, there's only so much they can do with the graphics on the screen. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of those things that were trying a little bit too hard, and you had all those multiple objectives and things to do. It's very hard to know what you're doing unless you had the instructions. And mm. hell, unless you were playing on a color TV. This is one I w- wouldn't have even been hell of not known anything about if uh, I was playing at my friend's house, uh, like I was talking about earlier with River Raid. But it's uh, the other games that we played are very straightforward. Even if they have multiple objectives, you can mm. sit down and within a minute or two, you know exactly what you're doing. You've got the game completely on lockdown. This is one that reminds me of something like not as bad but you know maybe something like haunted house where there's just like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's stuff that you need to do but unless you you have it spelled out for you in an instruction booklet then i it's kind of hard to figure out what you need to do and and how to actually get get a decent score and stuff like that in this one so um it's it's fine for what it is i do appreciate that it is essentially Mm -hmm. overcooked but this was an idea that Overcooked did much better down the line. Uh, and it, it's just, uh, it, it's fun. I, yeah, it's an Atari 2600 Overcooked. That's that's the best way to describe it. Well, it unlike Overcooked, which I do like, but Overcooked, you play it by yourself, it's not really fun. You can't enjoy it later on. You don't have enough time to get the stuff done. You can probably get one star on every level in Overcooked by yourself, but it's not made to play by yourself. It's made to be played with other people. This is made for only one player. You can play two-player you know, alternating for score, but, but you're, when you're actually playing the level, it's just you trying to beat your own time. And in order to make that interesting, this game actually has two separate 
what look like scores on there. So there's your actual score. Mm-hmm. That's how many points you get. And you get that by building burgers and not failing, right? That, that's that's easy. That's the goal to get this, that score is what will get you a badge, which we'll talk about in a second. But the score is a score. You know, if you build burgers, uh, you get a bunch of points based on how many burgers you built out of a, a round of 12. There's 12 burgers in each round. If you can build all 12, great. You get you know, 12 times 100 points or whatever. Uh, but if you make mistakes, it doesn't immediately end your game. You just won't build those burgers. You might only build eight burgers. And then, you know, you, you only get eight times 100 points for each burger. However, the second score you have is uh, in the manual is referred to as the performance points. And you start with 50 performance points. As you make mistakes, that performance number goes down. So every time you accidentally waste an onion like if an onion comes across the screen oh i forgot to say what your button does right your joystick moves you around pretty straightforward the button has two purposes one if you hold down the button when you go to reach for let's say an onion flying across the screen to be used it will bounce back directly and go back into the onion chute if you're holding down the button that's that's how you reject an item you don't want and not lose any points if you instead just let that onion fly across the screen and hit the conveyor belt it won't go on the Mm -hmm. burger but you'll lose one performance point um Again, that adds up quick. You only have 50. And as soon as you're down to zero, your game immediately ends. So you got to make sure you don't do that too often. If you have extra condiments on food, if someone says they want a tomato and and lettuce sandwich and you give them two tomatoes and a lettuce, you lose a point for that extra tomato. You lose five points if you drop a burger into the wrong chute or build a burger that doesn't need to exist. Uh, And you lose 10 points if your burger on the conveyor belt makes it all the way into the conveyor belt and falls off before you have a chance to put the the top bun on and send it off to the the wrapping chute uh, to get your points. So... It's really easy if you're letting burgers fall off to immediately run out of performance points. You only have 50. That's five burgers with no mistakes. If you drop them otherwise, that's your game's immediately over. And as the levels go on, so the first few, it's pretty easy because you have burgers that have one ingredient. Everyone wants a burger with just a tomato or just lettuce or just an onion. Okay, that's easy. I can do that. But later on, you're getting a mix of them. It shows all of a sudden on the cross of the screen that one guy wants all the ingredients. So he wants a tomato, lettuce, onion, and cheese. And another person just wants tomato and cheese. Another person just wants lettuce. But there's only, you know, one or two burgers you can go to at a time going on that conveyor belt. And if you don't, you know, time this out quickly to get the right ingredients and kick the other ones back by hitting the button and walking into them, you're going to run out of time and those burgers are going to drop off. Like this game starts out where it's like, okay, now that I understand what to do, this is really easy. How would this be hard? And three rounds in, I mean, I was like borderline sweating. One, because I'm out of shape, but two, because it really does get really intense. You can't, you can't screw up and like, oh, I'll, I'll try to, I, I don't know why I put a tomato on this burger, but now I have to grab it and finish it up. And the top bun only comes off when you finish a burger. So if you make like three burgers somehow, two or three burgers on that conveyor belt that are incorrect ingredients, the top bun will never come out. You never have a chance to pick them up. That's a guaranteed three burgers, 30 points of performance that are going to guaranteed fall and make you lose. I, I don't know. Once I figured this game out, which didn't take too long, because I, I, I looked at the manual and I you know wanted to see how to work it, but this is not as bad as... I, I don't think Haunted House was quite as bad, but like E.T. or uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark games on the, the 2600 that you really needed the manual to explain, like, what is the purpose mm-hmm. of what I'm doing? Um, it's not an enigma. It's not a puzzle. But once you know, like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do with this game, I don't know if I would have liked this as a kid. I think I would have been... Uh, frustrated with it because it doesn't explain really easily what to do. Like River Raid, uh, Frostbite, Sequest, all those games, like Jeremy said, you can just sit down without a manual and like after a couple minutes, like I know what to do and you're having fun. You're, you're Even if you don't care about score, you're like, I cleared the level a few times. Great for me, I'm great. And you go on to something else. This mm-hmm. game, you have to really know what you're doing to even get through that first round of burgers. And then if you're really trying to go for the top score, you need to have 43 
45,000 points to get the short order squad badge, which is probably five or six times through with no mistakes on these burgers. Uh, the closest I got was 43,270 points. I was one burger away from getting that score, and I managed to mm. put the wrong food on there because I got too excited that I was so close to 45,000 points, <laughs> and I lost almost immediately uh, from an almost perfect game down to failure in the last uh, 200 points yeah. I needed to hit that, uh, or 2,000 points I needed to hit that 45,000. So I, this was, I, I mean, I can see why people may not have enjoyed this game, and it, in general, maybe this is not fun for people to make burgers. I guess if I made burgers, I would hate making burgers for a game too. But I, I don't know. I thought this was probably one of the most involved but not nonsensical games I've played in the 2600. I was amazed that there is an Overcooked this far back, you know, that style mm-hmm. of game. I, I never knew, mm-hmm. and it's incredible what this game does. But but I can also yeah. see how if you didn't have the manual, didn't want to take the time, and honestly wanted something a little more fast. This is a, kind of a slow burn to get hard, but it gets hard pretty quickly. That's what she said. <laughs> hey, uh. <laughs> uh no, uh, what's, what's that dude's name? That made this? Oh, Gary Kitchen. Gary Kitchen. He is that it? Is that what he, he did this and and then Home Alone and and Bart Simpson. Home Alone and, and two Bart Simpson games on the NES. Well, he peaked here. Let's let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, this is his best game. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, by far. <laughs> I will. You you can kind of tell. You know now, it's just so like this game and and fucking when we played Home Alone. And we haven't done the Simpsons yet, or Bart Simpson versus the World, or whatever. I probably never will, but you can kind of just see that it's it's almost you can kind of see his mind the way it works, and mm. uh, at least I I can a little bit. It just seems like it's they've all been kind of designed by a robot almost in a way, it, just the way it you know there's it's very rigid, very rigid, and and how you have to play them and. Uh, even when, you know, something like uh, Bart Simpson, you know, the Simpsons one, that one is still very rigid, even though it's a platformer yeah. with all these weird rules to it, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and how you have to do it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think this this probably is best game as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's one of the best games on the 2600, at least in my opinion. It's definitely one of the most impressive games. Uh, on the system. In general, all the Activision games, uh, even though there are some that are less good than others, I don't know if anyone remembers Freeway, it was basically uh, just racing two chickens across the highway. Uh, That's not that much fun, but still pretty impressive for other 2600 games at the same time, but especially these later games, the the 1982-1983 libraries from from Activision, very impressive. You can find all of them pretty easily on the Activision Anthology. It's available for pretty much everything, I think, still. It's definitely uh, Mm -hmm. on the last round of, of major consoles. I don't know if it's on PS5 and uh, whatever the new Xbox is. But it you can find it for pretty much everything else. Get all these games are fairly cheap. Uh, but if not, and you do happen to come across your dirty box of 2600 games, there will be a few of these in there, and they're all worth checking out at least to see you know what 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 you could do with the 2600. Even if you didn't like the game, they all have a neat flair. They all have a neat idea, uh, and they, they took a lot of time and made some really interesting games. So check those out if you have a chance. Totally awesome. So that's our thoughts on four more. 2600 games. These were all by Activision and uh, all worth checking out at least a little bit. If you have a 2600, there are some gems on there still. If you can weed through the rest of the things on there, and hopefully helped you find a few that might be worth checking your time out. But now is the time on the show where you're sitting at your house. You have a burning question you need the answer to, and you thought, who am I going to ask? You can ask Retrovaniacs by going to Retrovania.net. Scroll all the way down to the bottom underneath all the links to everything, including our Patreon. And at the very bottom, 
there is a form where you can put a question and we will answer it on the show like we're going to do right now. Yeah, and we're going to struggle through these questions just like we got done struggling through that Atari 2600 episode, <laughs> at least for me anyway. Uh, but we're going to start off with uh, Corvus, and uh, he's he's got a food question for us. All right. Short and simple, ranch or blue cheese? Thank you guys for a great podcast and take care. Well, what do you guys prefer, ranch or blue cheese? Um, I it's it's pretty easy for me um because i am not big on either of them um however um i i, I do does taco bell spicy ranch count i mean i would say it's a ranch that should count yeah it's got right. from the name i even like arby's red ranch would count i guess i fucking love taco bell spicy ranch um i you know i'll, I'll add that to just about anything on their menu in the case of Taco Bell, it's ranch. If I'm having like wings, um, I, I I do blue cheese, uh, but that's really the only thing I like blue cheese on. Um, I, otherwise, I just I, I'm I'm not big on either. I'm really not. Yeah, I'm a pretty bad fat guy. I don't like ranch. I don't really like blue cheese. You did with wings. If there are blue cheese on them, I will I will survive. But if there are ranch mm-hmm. on my wings, I will not eat them. I will hand them back and I will say I'm very sorry. I cannot eat these wings or give them to someone else who doesn't care if there's ranch on there. I absolutely hate ranch dressing in all forms, but I don't like blue cheese on anything really. I don't really like it on wings either. I just like hot wings as high as I can get them uh, or, you know, crazy other flavors of wings that are all good, but none of them would have blue cheese on them by choice. But if there was blue cheese on hot wings, I won't throw a fit. I will eat them with a frown on my face, but I will still swallow them. Ranch mm-hmm. though, never. Mm-hmm. I do not like blue cheese. Um, it's not I don't know. I, there's just a weird thing with me and blue cheese. <clears throat> I will do. Goddamn. Talk about blue cheese. A man throws up in his mouth. That's not good. Yeah, no, yeah. It's about yeah. to. Um, I I do like ranch, but mostly just on salad. I don't really use it as a dipping mm-hmm. sauce for anything. Mm-hmm. So that you know, take it or leave it with that. But I did know a guy. I'm I'm sure you you've all known people like this, where like back long long time ago when I worked at Target. Every day he would come into lunch and he would have one of those, the tubs of ranch dressing, you know, oh, yeah. the, not even the squirt bottle kind, you know, this is just the tub of yeah. it that you get out of the fucking refrigerated section or whatever. And just come in there, sit down with a spoon and eat the ranch uh, out of the tub. Whoa. And if I, thought, I, I thought he was just going to dump a ton onto the dish. No, Great he ranch. was sitting in there eating the ranch. And that's like, when we get it in the tub, it's like the thicker kind of ranch, you know? And any time he came in there and sat down, I had to leave because they would just make me throw up. That's great. That and man so, that that man consumed his day's worth of calories in like two spoons. I it's it's up there with those people that just eat sticks of butter to me, and I I can't handle that. My brain just can't can't deal with it. Instantly makes me want to throw up. And and that's kind of the thing. If I see ranch outside of a salad, if it's not already put on there for me, I kind of just see that guy over there with a the tub. You know, he's slurping down that fucking ranch. Oh, my God. That's it's, so gross. Yeah. That's horrible. Was, I, yeah, I, so... <laughs> thanks, Corvus, for making me remember that. I'm going to fucking throw up in my mouth. Um, hmm. Anyway, I, I think, uh, yeah. So that that's cool. Thanks for writing in, Corvus. Um, next up uh, comes from Celeste. And yeah. uh, we know her. And she's she's wanting to know about gas station delights. So this is a recurring theme. We're oh gonna go. Boy. I'm hoping go it's down about food. food otherwise, yeah. Hopefully it's food. Otherwise, this is a dark topic. We'll 
I don't. I don't. Somebody. Think... Somebody finally called one of those numbers they saw in the bathroom. <laughs> that kind of delight. Trust me. I've no. 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 Um. Anyway, uh, she wants. I don't think she would lead us wrong on this. So let's see. No. Hello, guys. I am glad you mentioned gas station cuisine because I have some treasures to share. <sighs> these are not necessarily change, but uh, these are not necessarily chains. But some gas stations in my city have amazing food. Near my house is a Wagapack gas station. Love that name. <laughs> Wagapack. Did you? Did we already break Billy with that one? That was it. <laughs> and inside, right, what, what, what can a man? What can a man get? What can a man or a lady get at the Wagapack? Well, inside is a locally owned, authentic Mexican restaurant. The food's delicious. Inside the convenience store part is a crispy, crunchy chick chicken. Crispy, oh, good crunchy, chicken. with both a, a K and a K, yeah. and I highly recommend. Yeah, they had they had to tell them they wanted to put it on the chicken too, but they had to tell them, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, it'd probably be a bad idea, especially down down where she lives. And mm -hmm. I highly recommend checking out this franchise if you like fried chicken and honey butter biscuits. Sounds Hell yeah, good. it's good chicken. I can confirm that. Across the road is another gas station. That's the. Across the road is another gas station that is the home to Blake's Deli, which offers outstanding po'boys. I particularly love the fried oyster and fried shrimp po'boys, and the roast beef Ooh. ones are great too. The messier, the better. See, we don't really have po'boys here, especially anything like seafood. I would not be getting that out of a gas station. And finally, another gas station in my city houses a small restaurant called Donut and Deli. If you spend at least $20 to fill up your vehicle, which wouldn't take much these days, you can claim one free donut. Sometimes the cashier's feeling generous and gives patrons a few donuts. Never never discount a gas station's delicacies. You might be pleasantly surprised. Thanks for the fun yeah. content, and I hope 2022 is off to a nice start for you all. It ain't bad so far. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. You uh, Gas station cuisine um, I, I, I gets, gets a bad name. It does. It gets a bad rep. You know, you just assume, oh, God. You know, you think about what? Fucking hot dogs that have been sitting on the fucking roller, the heat lamp for hours on end. Like maybe a fucking tough pretzel. But you, th you think about things like that. But I, I, I man, it, it's not what you think nowadays. Like, like she was saying, that one had a full fucking Mexican restaurant in it. You're going to do a lot of these nowadays that are fucking like part convenience store, part nearly legit at least fast food level, maybe sometimes a little bit better. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something. And it, it's certainly, um, I, my job on the road, uh, it's, it's, it's been a godsend to have some, some better, some better stops. And a lot, and man, a lot of times you get, you know, like, she's talking about like a little deli or something like that. And you, you've got some, some slightly better options than the, the usual fare. Um, you know, as far as not, you know, putting yourself in an early grave. Um, but you know, I, I, that's what the drink's for, uh, you know, not food so much for me, but that's, that's what the drink's for. But yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you don't underestimate, uh, your, your local gas stations, the Tiagonian. Well, you know, we've talked many times about the chain ones, which are, which are all fine, but you know what you're going to get. You go to a Royal Farms, you're going to get chicken subs. You go to mm -hmm. a, a Wawa, they have good cold subs and you, you go to a Sheets, you can get some kind of crazy burger with cheese sticks and I don't know barbecue yeah. on it or whatever Every, but that's everything yeah th those are all good and and wonderful options but locally uh you can find some really good little restaurants and gas stations like like what celeste said there is a place that was featured on diners drive-ins and dives at a shell mm -hmm. gas station uh about 
eh, 20 minutes for me, kind of uh, kind of between Baltimore and D.C., called R&R Taqueria mm-hmm. is the name of the, the food place inside. Amazing tacos. Absolutely incredible. Still around. Uh, it's very good. Uh, on the way to... Uh, Every summer I go to the eastern shore of Maryland, uh, for, to, that's where the beach and stuff is, and there is, uh, I don't remember what the gas station itself is in Exxon or something, who cares, but inside is a pit beef barbecue place that is incredible that I will stop at every time mm. on the way there. Uh, but they're only open, they're, they're open, I mean, I guess regular hours for a restaurant, but you know, if you're driving at night, they're not open. It's very disappointing. Um, yeah, I, I if I can find a place that has, you know, like a food truck attached to it that you know, in a gas station, you know, it's probably pretty solid. Uh, so I will check mm-hmm. that out every single time. Uh, especially mm. with food trucks being as popular as they are right now, that at least in this area, uh, you, you can find some really good stuff if you just you know look for a gas station. Just keep an eye out for that food truck there. You know it's probably a good stop. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, those places kind of outside of of the metro area here, and I've always been tempted to stop as I passed. You know, I've seen a few of them here and there, and I, I don't know. I've just always been kind of scared. And I shouldn't be, I guess, because it's just like, I don't know what I'm getting here. I've seen the stuff that's around in in my area, and I wouldn't eat a damn thing that comes out of those. But like out there, like you can find some legit places. I'm glad you brought up diners, drive-ins and dives at Triple D, as he likes to be called on the streets. (laughs) But it's just a... I there He had a lot of those where he would find like legit cool little restaurants that people have... opened that's not really a part of the gas station it's just kind of connected to it and uh yeah if you do your research and you're out traveling you can you can probably find some stuff that is way better than local restaurants mm-hmm. so yeah well and don't be worried about eating things at a restaurant like that first off you don't know what they serve at chain fast food places you can bet it's probably not healthy and probably not maintained very well uh but there has been a time uh where i ate hot dogs served out of a trash cart from a random person in the city of Baltimore. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I ate a bunch of them and I didn't die. So clearly you can eat food at a barbecue pit leaf place at a gas station that probably has some sort of, uh, you know, health controls. Well, uh, I, we're, we're really missing out on the po' boy situation here, though. And I, I don't know yeah. about you guys, but I, I love a good po' boy, but yes. I certainly would not eat any sort of oysters that come from the gas station around here. Uh, they, they can barely get out fried chicken gizzards without making people sick. So, uh, yeah, I, we, we just all need to go down to Louisiana and go to a wagon pack apparently mm-hmm. and, and get, get our wag on. So, uh, thank you Celeste for, uh, shooting us some, some cool suggestions there. If, uh, if we're ever down there, we'll check it out. You never know. Next question comes in from Danny. And he's not writing in about food. Actually, he's writing in about uncovered secrets. I was vaguely curious what you all looked like to put faces to the voices I listen to so often. I typed Jeremy P. Retrovaniacs into the DuckDuckGo search engine, and now I know the truth. I can only assume that each one of you is... (laughs) Oh, boy. I can only assume that each one of you is studlier than the last, as are... I can't even read this with a straight face. (laughs) I can only assume that each of you are studlier than the last, as are all of us 40-ish video game enthusiasts by nature. Uh, Yes, you're right. Actually, you didn't even need to go to that effort to to go to DuckDuckGo. If you go to the Retrovaniac site, retrovania.net, on your desktop, this is important because we don't put it on the mobile version, go to the desktop version, our our faces are just right there. You can check it out. You can uh, do whatever you wish to to our horrible uh, visages. So 
Um, yeah, uh, we are out there, and we've got plenty more pictures out there probably. it's You just got to search for them. All right, thank you, Danny, for writing in. Uh, enjoy our faces on Retrovania.net. Desktop site. Next question comes in from Jonathan King, and I know this will perk up Billy's ears because it's about Mario Kart. Let's hey, go. guys, I, I hope you're all doing well. I just joined the Discord, Discord, J King, and the Patreon. Well, thanks for joining. I can't wait to yeah. listen to all the bonus content hyped for the new Mario Kart tracks coming out. What's everyone's favorite track? Mine's Dino Dino Jungle, or is that Dino Dino Jungle? From Double Dash, thanks for the entertainment. I never knew if that was Dino Dino or Dino Dino. I would assume it's going to be Dino about Dino. Our, are, are we talking about our favorites out of the, the, the new ones that just hit? Uh, you could go either way. You got a, I'll, you got I'll a talk, favorite classic or man, a favorite want, new one? I, I want to say I've talked about uh, favorite classic tracks before. I'll talk about out of this uh, this 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 cup that just came out. Um, man, I, first I want to say stop it with the goddamn Mario Kart Tour tracks. They got no business being ported to fucking console. Um, those tracks are abysmal. There's no need for them, but I got a feeling each DLC is going to have at least several, several in it. Um, they actually, um, God, I'm trying to think of the exact name of it. Um, one of my favorites just got put back in and there was, there was that mall, the, 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 Oh, the, coconut, the mall. coconut mall. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a long time, uh, favorite of mine, baby park. I, uh, Baby Park, I have an attachment to, and, and I'll tell you why, uh, back, I had a pretty rowdy, uh, group of friends and we played Double Dash near constantly. Um, and we were all, you know, pretty, pretty solid skill level. Like we, we would trade things off here and there. Um, but if there was ever like a score to be settled, or some serious business that needed tending to, um, we we took it to Baby Park. That was that was where Baby Park's where men handled their business. <laughs> um, in, in in Double Dash, it was. I it, it, I, I shit you not. That's that was the one. Uh, but there there are a lot of other ones in in eight that I really like. I like uh, Dolphin Shoals. I really enjoy um, in Mario Kart Eight. I uh, was really let down by the the Zelda track on there. It's kind of Man, it's kind of plain Jane. I always felt like you could have done more with that. The Animal Crossing track is wonderful, though. Um, it's same thing with the F-Zero track. It's pretty neat. Uh, the music's obviously good. Felt like they could have gone a little, little harder with it. Uh, the Baby Park is probably probably still up there. It, it, it's In Mario Kart 8, if I had to pick an absolute favorite track, it's it's close between Baby Park and Mount Wario. Um Mount Wario is is awesome. Uh, I I love, I love the fact that it's not, there aren't laps. Uh, it's just one long track with checkpoints, um, and it and it feels uh, Mount Wario has a, the feel of being like monumental. Like it's it's that's the last track, right? Uh, you're playing all the tracks. That's that's the conclusion. It's, if they it's could what just Mount make Wario feels like a Mario mm -hmm. Kart like that, if they could just make a Mario Kart game with nothing but tracks that are like from beginning to end like that. Yeah. God, oh yeah. I, no, yeah. I'd be sold in an instant. Or at least just put out more, uh, just, yeah. you know, slide some more in. 
Um, cause I, I, I do love that concept. I, I, I do love, uh, of just one continuous race, uh, rather than laps. And I've always, you know, I, and I didn't know I really needed it until, <laughs> until this came around. I, I think maybe one rainbow road in the past did it perhaps I'm having trouble recalling which one. I think one rainbow road was, was just one long stretch. Um, yeah, but Mount Wario is is probably it. As I'm sitting here talking about it, just because it does something different, and it just it 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 feels it feels like serious business when you hit that track. I also love that uh, Wario Mount Wario. That's incredible. But the mm-hmm. the on Mario Kart Eight, my favorite tracks are normally like I liked Toad's Turnpike because it had other cars, so you couldn't just like drift all around the place. You had to be careful of not getting hit by the the cars that are not racers like you're on a highway so there's cars and buses and stuff on the new set of courses toad circuit kind of does the same thing where there's a a little bit of of traffic and stuff that gets in the way i like that but my favorite track on mario kart 8 uh, across the board even though it's a very simple track but i just like the kind of track it is much like how baby um the the, the baby race is such a small track baby park baby park yeah baby park's yeah. at seven but uh no the um Excite bike track. I love that excite bike oh, yeah. track. It's yeah. incredible. It's just a simple yeah. oval, but there's jumps everywhere, so you're able to to really just like drift in everything and, and use your your jump boost all the time. And ah, oh, so good. And it's hard to get away from items. So if you if you're trying to get somebody out that's right in front of you, there's almost no mm-hmm. way to get away from that shell unless they have another item. Like ah, oh, it's so good. I love that track. But of the new tracks, yeah, I've I've liked Toad Circuit. I actually don't hate the tracks from uh, Mario Kart Tour. Uh, they are definitely different. I think it's what Ninja Hideaway and the Paris track. Man, Ninja Hideaway is a mess. I, I don't hate them, but but they definitely they're, they're, are. They're, they're, you have to play them a couple times. Too much. Yeah, you got to play them a few times to get what's going on. The, the, the Paris one especially, the first two laps are kind of the same, and the third lap's totally different. You're like, what the hell is this? And people are driving mm-hmm. in other directions from you and stuff. Like, it's it's kind of chaos. Yeah. But I don't mind that. I, I like the tracks that are there. I like that we're getting eight, like, every two months for, to have, what, 48 tracks yeah. in the next year. I mean, that's amazing. So, can't complain. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I, I kind even though actually, I just did, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I actually like the uh, Paris track and the uh, Ninja Hideout track a good deal because my all-time favorite track is Yoshi's Valley with the different oh oh yeah you know, yeah routes you can take. That yes, was always yes. really cool to me. So anytime you can do that in any other the you know the different tracks like these the Mario Kart Tour tracks, I it's pretty cool. I I don't the Paris is kind of boring. Ninja Hideaway is is kind of crazy with with how much is is going on and and the different you know going there's basically two different layers of track that you can go around that entire thing and it's it's kind of neat. The new tracks have you uh, Billy? You've played the new tracks. Uh, Jeremy, did you play? Yes. Yeah, I played. In fact, I played with a bunch of people on our Patreon. So I don't know if if uh, John uh, was was on there with us last Friday, but it looks like every Friday we're gonna have a group of people from there uh, trying mm-hmm. to get together to play these tracks around eight p.m. Eastern time. Probably a good thing I got around to this question because it was sent in quite a while ago. <laughs> so yeah, this is perfect time to to do this one. Um, yeah, the only thing I I played through them once, and the only thing I can really say about them is they they look kind of simple. I guess they're very short, all of them, uh, compared to the Mario Kart Eight tracks, which all all of them, you know, they weren't very long, but they mm-hmm. had you know the laps had more substance to them. Like these are over in an instant, like just yeah. super yeah. quick. And maybe that's more old school Mario Kart, but to me, I really got so used to to how I don't know how much there was to do in all of those Mario Kart eight tracks, and and then to go back to this, which are very very simple. Uh, it's uh, it's a little jarring. They even look 
more simple than than Mario Kart 8. It's just one of those things where it's like these don't look like they were supposed to be in this game. And mm-hmm. I don't know where they came from or what they were doing with them before they added them as DLC, but you can you can definitely tell that there's something different about these and in, in, in the style and, and everything compared to the original tracks. Um, yeah, they're pretty cool. Uh, yeah, like I said, Yoshi uh, has always been a favorite of mine. Uh, Wario, Mount Wario. If you've never listened to the music as you're going down there, it is oh, yeah, the yeah, coolest yeah. fucking thing. How yes. well that matches up with the different sections of the mountain as you go down. Just incredible. Uh, that That's one, re- one reason I'm just like, make a game out of that. Make a, a full Mario mm. Kart experience out of that kind of just downhill track or yeah. whatever. Uh, I think that would be really awesome. And before you uh, you thank John for sending the question to us, I do want to remind people, if you join our Patreon, not only to get access to the bonus episodes, and uh, you can come to our Discord without joining, but it's cool if you join too. Uh, if you go in at the, the highest level, you get to force us to pick a game, and John, you're at that level. If you want us to pick a game, I sent you a message asking which game you want us to cover. Haven't heard back, so just check your messages on Patreon. Uh, if you are a $10 patron and have not gotten a request, you probably have gotten several from me asking you if you picked your game yet. Yeah, and uh, also, like we mentioned, our Discord. Check that out if you want to join us for Mario Kart Night. I believe we will be doing more of that in the future. Um, it was, uh, how, how'd that turn out? Like Actually, really good. The first those... week is a little rough, but that's not our fault. That's Nintendo's online service in general. Right. still doesn't know what they're doing. But we figured it out. We figured out how to use their tournaments, so we have an ongoing like preset 100cc tournament that's going on all the time until the end of the month, and then we're going to start a new one that lasts for as long as we want. That way, if, if people want to join in, Anytime uh, with with Retrovania fans, uh, it'll fill in the rest with computers, and you can just keep playing over and over again. But yeah, Friday nights at around eight o'clock Eastern time. Uh, this last week we played for six solid hours before I finally went to bed. It was awesome. <laughs> and if you would like to join that Discord channel, it is on Retrovania.net. There is a direct link to it, so check that out. Join us, play some Mario Kart. We probably we may may not make you want to murder Billy. It's it's you know I got I got to get on the damn thing. I, I've 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 my last couple Friday nights have been have been a little occupied. I, I've I've actually tricked a couple ladies into actually going out with me, if you can believe it or not. But pretty soon, um, I, I got to go back to my original love. Uh, you know, Mario Kart's never been shitty to me, um, but a lot of ladies have. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to dance with who brung me and 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 reserve some Friday nights for Mario Kart at some point. Who in the world would go out on a date on Friday night? when they could be playing Mario Kart. I know. I, I, you know, the uh, thing I need to do is just, it's like fucking, all right, let's go out and, you know, uh, just pull the switch out. Yeah. Bring them. Right yeah. Do that. Uh, you know what we used to do. Well, uh, yeah. some of our friends, when their girlfriends would magically <laughs> show up for a total of three I, I, races and, and swear that off <laughs> entirely. I just, I keep, I, I keep thinking about that moment. Cause it was just, uh, just, uh, the cruelty that was shown <laughs> to someone for no reason whatsoever. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it, it was tough. It was t- <laughs> that poor girl. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple she of those. Didn't, she didn't deserve what she got. No, but she no. Um, to I, be clear I for everyone check. listening, we're talking about Mario Kart, exclusively Mario Kart cruelty. That's all we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's uh, a good save. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks, Jonathan King. Uh, get us your, your game, uh, your request in, and we will yeah. get to work on that ASAP. And yes. finally, our last question 
I mentioned we were going to struggle through this, and we're going to struggle through this one. This comes from Silly Holiday. And, oh, uh, I like the, I like this. Who is this? Let's hear some more. Well, it, it's, he likes P. Well, that's that's it. I like P. Video game related P. What, what are your favorite okay. impl- implementations of peeing mechanics in video games? I can't think of many, but The Sims is up there. Beat 'em and Eat 'em has wiener related content, but I don't think that counts as pee. Uh, I actually have an answer for this. In No More Heroes, you save in restrooms where you watch your character like kick up in a restroom stall and then use the bathroom and then saves your game. That's my favorite one right there. I have an answer. I have an answer, a serious answer to games with pee mechanics. Wow. Um, I, I, I guess my favorite, and I, God, I use favorite loosely, um, was, was in postal too. I think it's the one where you could, you could, you could urinate on NPCs until they, until they throw up, I believe. <laughs> um, and, and if I have made that up, God help me. Um, <laughs> that's a hell of a thing to make up. Uh, but I believe that was the case. Uh, and I guess that would be it because I, man, I can't think of a lot of other letter, a lot of other instances. Um, and when I say it's my favorite, it's just the only one I can think of. I, I you know, my, my all-time favorite's Duke Nukem, but that's not really gameplay related. That's just a thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sims is kind of right. You know, that that is gameplay related. I I can't think of anything else that would really be gameplay related that you need to piss you know uh, you could uh, you could piss in death stranding couldn't you i'm I'm gonna look this up real quick this is bothering me piss i think you related could. gameplay i think this is the low point for the podcast right here <laughs> i'm scared to see what the hell is gonna even come up with you could piss in death stranding a brief history of ping in video games oh finally Oh, wait, no, wait, here's Reddit. So they, Reddit knows everything. Um, oh, uh, Team Fortress 2. I can't believe I forgot that one. The Jar of Piss. Yeah, the Jar of Piss. Uh, that one That one is good. South Park. Conker's Bad Fur Day. We literally just got done. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Conker's Bad Fur Day. That was it, and that was actually useful. You had to put fires out with it. Very important. Um, the rest of these, uh, Dead Rising, I do not remember that. Um... There's, there's a few here that I don't quite know if they actually exist or not, but Reddit says they do. Uh, toilet Simulator, uh, Pissing Simulator, P-World VR, finally a reason to get VR, uh, Domestic Dog, hmm. and... Uh, wasn't there apparently... that, um, there was that, 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 uh, that F-250 game too, wasn't there? <laughs> oh man, that's my favorite one. Yeah, the rest of these, I... Never heard of them. Apparently, uh, Dino D-Day uh, lets you uh, piss on other dinosaurs as a taunt. So, mm. uh, yeah, that is, I, I guess mine would be Conker's Bad Fur Day, because that's that that's one I totally forgot, and that is an actual mechanic to the gameplay. So there we go. And I think that's going to do it as we end on this incredibly dark moment for the podcast. Um, so thank you, Silly Holiday, for once again ending the podcast and making us uh, regret ever doing it. So if you would like to still send in questions and uh, get it to us before we actually kill ourselves, do so at retrovania.net. Scroll all the way down at the bottom. There's a contact form. 
fill it out, send it in. Maybe not your P-related questions. I think we have covered just about every P-related thing that we can without getting some sort of like paywall to the podcast mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, thanks for everybody for writing in and uh, we'll, we'll check it out next time. Yeah, next time we'll be talking about games that are not on the 2600. We're only going to do that once a year, and uh, that's it for 2022 for that. But I don't know what we'll talk about, but we'll find out in two weeks. But if you want more Retrovaniacs, you can always join our Patreon. There are three bonus episodes a month. This month we talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Somer Assault for the TurboGrafx-16. You don't want to miss that, and you can't if you join our Patreon. And we'll see you next time. At Atari, our game cartridges undergo grueling tests. We put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar up against Atari Basketball. Oh man, what a move. We let Mario Andretti test drive Atari Night Driver. This game really cracks me up. And the great Pele himself tested Pele's championship soccer. What a gig, it beats me again. At Atari, we take our games seriously, so you have more fun. How'd you do, Kareem? I'm glad I won't face Atari in the playoffs. <laughs> no other video game company stacks up to Atari.